T.S. Eliot said, humankind cannot bear very much reality. The story we're considering today plums the depths of that truth. John the Baptist was a shining light. He was the greatest prophet of the Old Testament, uh, of the Old Testament era, even though he shows up in the New Testament. He's actually prophesied twice from the Old Testament before he appears on the stage. In Matthew 11, verse 11, Jesus calls him the greatest man born of woman. As the summation of all the Old Testament prophets that preceded him, his ministry was a preparation for Christ. With his whole being, he testified, Behold the Lamb of God. John was the voice of Isaiah's prophecy from Isaiah chapter 40, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, the way of the Lord, prepare the way of the Lord, that is, uh, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill shall be made low, the rough ground shall be made smooth, and the rugged places shall be made a plain. In preparation for the Lord Jesus, John would challenge both the power and the perversity of the world. The lofty will be brought low and the crooked will be made straight. That's John's ministry. And when he comes in the flesh, it, 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 it puts him on a collision course with sinful rulers because he's going to bring them down through his preaching. In Mark chapter 6, we witness this collision. John had been preaching that King Herod should not have married his brother's wife. Essentially, Herod the king had muscled in and taken up with his sister-in-law. And John was there to remind him, God is in the business of leveling the lofty and straightening the crooked. And that means you, Herod. John was a preacher of righteousness and a preacher of Christ. Because Christ is coming. The, the, the mountains need to be made low and the crooked paths need to be made straight. John was preaching all this and, and Herod jailed him because, well, his wife didn't particularly like him saying all this kind of stuff. But Mark chapter 6 verse 20 is fascinating. Herod feared John and protected him from his wife Herodias, knowing John to be a righteous and holy man. When Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. Even in prison, Herod allowed John to preach, and Herod's response was fascinating. It was a real study in T.S. Eliot's saying, humankind cannot bear very much reality. Herod kind of liked the reality that was coming his way. He, he was utterly compelled by the truths that John was proclaiming, and yet he was greatly puzzled. You could say that John was um, put into a spin, or rather Herod was put into a spin by John's preaching. That's the sense of greatly puzzled. Herod is turning every which way. He's folding his hands. His stomach is knotting. He's shuffling from foot to foot. It's excruciating. But he knows he is being addressed by truth with a capital T. What's he going to do about it? Well, that's the truth. That's, that's, that's the problem. He doesn't do anything. He listens. He gladly listens. He has ears to hear. But then he doesn't do anything about it. He never responds. He's paralyzed by indecision. His wife, on the other hand, she knows how to act. Verse 21, finally the opportune time came. On his birthday, Herod gave a banquet for his high officials and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. When the daughter of Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his dinner guests. The king said to the girl, ask me for anything you want and I'll give it to you. And he promised her with an oath, whatever you ask, I will give you up to half my kingdom. She went out and, and I said to her mother, what shall I ask for? The head of John the Baptist she answered. At once the girl hurried into the king to make the request. What's going to happen? There they are at the party that the wine has been flowing, the socialites were chattering away. The king's stepdaughter is brought in to do the ancient equivalent of a pole dance. I mean, this pleased Herod, 
so it says, and it pleased the guests. And with a stupid drunken oath, Herod puts everything on the line. You can ask for anything you like, and the girl doesn't know what to say. She goes to her mother. The mother knows exactly what to say. The head of John the Baptist on a platter. And that's what she demands. The head of John the Baptist, right now, on a platter. And here, as Herod hears this demand, this is the, the defining moment of Herod's life. What will win? On the, one on the one hand, there is the truth that he has heard from God, truth which he cannot deny. On the other hand, there is an illicit relationship. There is drunken revelry. There is his state of arousal. There is the fear of losing face. There is peer pressure. What will win? God's word or all of that? Well, this mighty ruler shows himself to be pathetically ruled by forces beyond him. Verse 26, the king was greatly distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he did not want to refuse her. So he immediately sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. The man went, beheaded John in the prison, and brought his head back on a platter. He presented it to the girl. She gave it to her mother. Oh, it's, it's, it's dreadful, isn't it? Because think about it. John had loved Herod more than anyone else in Herod's life. John had told him the truth. Herod liked to listen to John, but he did nothing. And eventually, he cut off the head of the man who warned him. And that is our natural response to the truth. We might be intrigued by the truth. We might be thrown into a spin by the truth. But if we remain paralyzed by indecision, we will find it psychologically impossible to tolerate both the truth of God and the falsehood of our lives. There is that cognitive dissonance, as people speak of. Something will have to give, and naturally we all want to silence the truth. Jesus told people of his, uh, the people of his day that they were always killing the prophets. Luke 13, verse 34. You know, that doesn't mean they're always chopping off the heads of preachers, but it does mean that we always naturally resist the truth whenever it's offered to us. Human beings cannot handle very much reality. You know, when Herod finally met Jesus in Luke chapter 23, verse 8, Jesus is on trial. And Luke 23, verse 8 says, When Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased because for a long time he'd been wanting to see him. For he had heard all about Jesus, and he hoped to see Jesus perform a sign of some sort. He plied Jesus with many questions, but Jesus gave him no answer. The Word of God gives Herod the silent treatment. This is the ultimate judgment for truth haters. If you flee from the truth, at some point the truth will let you go as you run all the way into the outer darkness. All of which makes us consider very seriously how we are receiving God's Word. Is there something that God's Word is challenging you about? Has it gripped you? Are you greatly puzzled about it? Are you thrown into a spin about it? But you know deep down that this is what you need to do. Is today the day this needs to be set straight? You know, there's never a better time than now to repent. If you're a Christian, those other things, sin, sin is not who you are. Sin only binds and blinds you. So walk free. Walk in Christ. In the words of James chapter 1 verse 22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Mm -hmm.